Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Fatal Fortunes. I'm Al. I'm Nathan. Join us for a deep dive into some of history's most fascinating characters who live dangerously beautiful lives and whose legacies haunt us today. Hello, guys and ghouls and non-binary pals. We are back for another episode of the second season of Fatal Fortunes. And today, Nathan has come to tell us a myth, dare I say, a legend that was of his own, you know, idea that came from his own brain. And I am so excited to hear about it. We have both got our fun wine glasses yeah. ready. Um, if you want to see that picture, you can go to our website, fatalfortunes.com, or our Instagram at Fatal Fortunes. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And now that you can leave us a review on Spotify, please leave us a review on Spotify. Um, it would really help grow our channel. We have two episodes left in our final season, or final season, in this season of Fatal Fortunes before we take our, you know, spring slash summer break. So Nathan, take it away. All right. So yeah, this is a uh, idea that I had because this Fatal Fortune might be related to me and when i heard the story from family i was like that is pretty cool pretty fatal and uh the subject we're covering today is sir robert graham the uh the birth of sir robert is a little fuzzy as we go further back we find that it is harder to find um you know more accurate history so the year is circa 1375 so a little context and there isn't a lot but edward iii is the king of england currently and um back to the the place where al and i met the netherlands had a horrible flood when the west Frise sea wall breaks and yet, <laughs> why am i laughing at that floods it floods the entire country but they figured it out they, they learned from that one they got their windmills they figured it out and now they're good 1375 where Sir Robert Graham is born in Kincardine, Perthshire, Scotland. He was the third son of his father, Patrick Graham of Kincardine, and the first son of Agidia Stewart of Railston. Oh, I love that name. Robert's parents married in 1384, and unfortunately, his father Patrick was killed in 1404 over an argument with Sir John Drummond, about his performance of his duties as steward of Strathern. It was just about how he was handling the lands. Um, mm. And you'll see very soon how important that region Strathern is. And I'll, I'll go into that territory momentarily. But first, a little background on Robert's early life. Um, he was attending the University of Paris in the 1390s. Most likely, it's thought to study for preparation into entering the priesthood. Not sure how that turned out, though, because he did shortly after Mary, Marianne mm. Oliphant, in 1399. Oh, do you think of, like, Timothy Oliphant? I do want to, yeah. It, the, the problem that I ran into so many times was there are so many people with the last name Graham and Stuart and Oliphant that, like... Stuart, duh, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if there is some relation there. And Robert also did do some killing later on. He was, however, described 
as, quote, a great gentleman of great wit and eloquence and expert in law. He's just like me. Wow. Now on to explaining that territory, onto the land grabbing, the betrayals, all that. So this region of Strathern, the one that Robert's father was killed over, is important because it is a territory in Scotland that was formerly ruled by just one family in more ancient times, around the 10th century. But now we flash forward to the 14th century, and the land is being controlled by Robert's younger brother, Patrick Graham, when he married Euphemia Stewart, and she was the Countess of Strathern. The Stuarts, oh, so is he ruling by um, Serger Euxorus? That cool. is that is correct. We love when shit ends with just a woman, and then there's a power struggle, and then they get married, and oh, now it's Patrick Graham's. But like I said, he married into the Stuart family, or vice versa, however you want to look at it. The Stuarts, specifically Robert Stuart and his son Murdoch, uh, had a lot of support from Robert Graham and his brothers. And Robert's brother Patrick was killed by the same Drummonds that killed their father in 1413. Oh, that's very Game of Thronesy. It's it's gonna get more Game of Thronesy, Al. Don't you don't you <laughs> what worry. We should do. We should be rewatching Game of Thrones. I was talking to my coworker today and talking about this research that I was doing. And he was like, you know, Game of Thrones barely has to make anything up. They can literally just look back in, you know, British or Scottish history and find really juicy stories like this. Or um, and, uh, as we saw last time, Safavid history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Robert's brother, Patrick, uh, he's killed by the Drummonds in 1413. Shit. And with this leaves his infant son abandoned. Robert cares for and tutors the boy named Malice. Very yeah, interesting name. And since Patrick, his father, was the Earl of Strathern, it was expected to be passed down to his heir, Malice. But now is where things get a little more petty. And I need to give a little bit more background on King James I. So this isn't the King James of Bible, fame, and fortune. This is King James, born 1394, and he's imprisoned. From oh, the... King James I, as in like Uno, Uno, Uno of Scotland. Exactly. Got it. King James, he's imprisoned, like very, very young, because his father, Robert III, feared that James would suffer the same fate as his brother, and that brother was the king of Scotland, but was murdered by a rival political faction. So again, fearing James would suffer the same fate, Robert III secretly sends him off to France. The journey's cut short, however, when they're intercepted by English pirates and delivered to Prince Henry IV. And with that, James is put into prison at just 11 years old. He stays you know how there. that one goes. It makes you kind of crazy. It really, it, yeah, it's not a good look for James, um, and it does not serve him well in the future. As we will see, he stays there for 18 years. He bounces around. Um, he gets a little bit of education from Henry IV, but he's mainly staying in the tower. That's horrible. And while he's in prison, James writes a piece called The Kingus Quare, which he speaks 
on his undying love to Joan Beaufort, who he marries upon his release. More on her later. As I said, he was provided some education in that imprisonment. And finally, in 1423, negotiations between England and Scotland begin, and they want to get James released. So a year later, he is released, 1424, and he pretty much immediately marries Joan when he is finally released. And then he just starts fucking it up in Scotland. He had these radical reforms in order to get him more power and more land and began killing a lot of people specifically. Oh, because he said what just happened to me is never happening to me again. He said, I'm going to kill any adversaries. Specifically, he executes his own cousin, Murdoch Stewart, and his oh. two sons for treason. So obviously, the Grams, who, like I said before, big fans of the Stewarts, they're not happy about that one bit. That execution was carried out of the Stuarts, and Robert Graham was adamantly against King James's return to Scotland and his restriction of influence of the church. Other Scots were not fond of James either, since he fought with Henry V. Even in that uh, prison sentence, he did fight in France at times against Scottish forces. I mean, yeah, I'd do anything to get out the house. Are you kidding? But what a traitor and what a, <laughs> what a fiend for Yeah, that. I mean, come on. I think he was probably forced to do it. I don't think he really had a choice. Fair. I mean... And of course, have... I guess Henry IV knew the optics of him fighting against his own people. James makes this preemptive decision to imprison any adversaries, maybe instead of killing them. What mercy he shows. Especially mm -hmm. after Robert Graham speaks out against King James to Parliament even trying to arrest him. So Robert Graham goes to jail in 1425. Then in 1427, James receives the very wealthy earldom of Strathern, taking it from Malice, whose it rightly was, and instead gave it to his uncle, Walter Stewart. To help ease things over a little bit, James did give Malice an earldom, but... It was the Earl of Monteith at that. It's a much small region whose most impressive asset was a monastic sanctuary, the Inchmahone Priory. I actually visited those very ruins. They are quite cool, but it's not a lot of land. I do have some pictures. I'll, I'll send them over nice. so that you can nice. see them for this episode. But having rain over Scotland's eighth largest lake is not as good as the Strathern territory in the slightest. Obviously, Robert is pissed that his very intelligent, very educated nephew, Malice, was ripped off with that pitiful bit of land. So when he is released from prison in 1428, and there are some accounts that he escaped from prison, but for now I'm just going to say he was released in 1428. Mm -hmm. Once he's released, he makes pretty much an immediate plan uh, working on to assassinate the king. Doesn't happen for a while, but this plan was made with the current Earl of Strathern, Walter Stewart. If you remember, that is King James's uncle. But he also was not a fan of how King James was handling Scotland. So mm -mm. along with Robert's son, Thomas, Robert led a band of Highlanders to Perth, where the king was staying. 
Specifically, King James was staying at the Dominican Friary in and on the night of February 20th, 1437, Robert Stewart, which is another Stewart, um, he allows the Grahams and Walter to enter the Friary by removing the bolt. When the Friary was breached, the king hid in the sewers with Queen Joan and her ladies quickly placing floorboards over to hide his location. Catherine Douglas, later named Catherine Barlast, sprang to the door in order to prevent them from entering by placing her arm in the staples of the entrance. However, that didn't work too well as Robert and the rest just burst through the door, breaking her arm. Um, So didn't work too well for that uh, act of bravery. The group threatened the queen for James's whereabouts as well as her ladies, but there was seemingly no sign of the king. Whilst searching the other chambers, the king foolishly thought that in that silence, the coast was clear and he calls out for assistance. And within moments, the killers return and found the king. Two men confined him into the basement and the king tried to wrestle them by their throats, trying to steal their knives. Soon enough, Robert and the rest of the group joined them in the cellar and proceeded to stab him 16 times, at least. I mean, yeah, that seems like light, to be honest. I know. I was looking up how many times was Caesar stabbed. He was 23. So. <gasps> you were looking that up because I was just thinking that. Yeah. Damn. 23 times. This is why so. we do a podcast together. King James couldn't take it. He died after 16. And it is said that Robert delivered the fatal blow. With that, that band of Highlanders fled the scene into the night. Unfortunately... The conspirators, including Sir Robert, were not aware of how angry that would make the queen. Very vengeful, Robert Stewart, that man who let them in, was tortured to death. Walter Stewart and his sons were also killed by beheading, though not before Walter had a red-hot crown placed on his head. As for Robert Graham, he was found hiding under a rock at the edge of Loch Bach. He fought ferociously, as said, but was indeed captured. Then he was brought to Stirling Castle, where he was tortured uh, after he was brought there. He was nailed to a tree and dragged through the streets, his body torn with pincers, and his son was tortured and beheaded in front of him. <gasps> Ew. And at length... How old was the son? I was not able to find that out. Um, I think... Robert Graham, the the wild thing about this was that Robert Graham is pushing 60 when he kills the king. Okay, 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 okay. So I'm imagining his son is in his late 20s or We're early 30s. We're not beheading a toddler or anything. No, this is like a full-grown, full-grown dude. Before his death, he uttered these final words, quote, Yet I do not doubt, but that you shall see the day and time that you shall pray for my soul. For the great good that I have done to you, and to all in this realm of Scotland, that I have thus slain and delivered you of so cruel a tyrant, unquote. Like I said, Graham's sons were also executed through torture in the castle, but his words still rang throughout Scotland as tyranny continued for centuries. And that is Sir Robert Graham, possibly wow. a very distant ancestor of mine. Um visited the place where a lot of his relatives were buried. As I said, I will put those 
pictures in the show notes to look at a very, very beautiful lake. Um, and yeah, that is that is the story of Robert Graham. Well, thank you, Nathan. That was such a fun story. That one, that one had everything. Crying and women. Betrayal. Yeah. Betrayal. Imprisonment. Assassinations. That one really had everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't really know Cheers. how we're going to top that one. Cheers. Who's Who's next? Arthur Rimbo is next. Oh, yeah. And we will be recording that episode with our dearly departed and still present friend, Will, who I started this podcast with two years ago, a year ago, a year ago, a year ago, a year and some change. Yeah. Because I remember we had the idea in December 2020. So I like always think of 2020 as the podcast birthday. Yeah. But yeah, that's going to be super exciting. Uh, He said that he wanted to present a little side segment um so it might not be about mr rimbo himself but we look forward to seeing you guys then in our pen ultimate episode of season two and please drop us a line at fatalfortunes at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on who we should cover in season three we would love to hear them and don't forget that on tuesdays we talk ghosts see you next time bye